I am lucky enough to have worked in the sports space on and off for almost three decades, and I am thrilled with my current job here at CSG. But human nature is such that no matter how happy we may be with our particular lot in life, there's always the part of us that looks at somebody else's lot and thinks, that's a, that's a darn good lot. Now, in addition to being a lifelong hardcore collector, today's guest makes his living writing and talking about fantasy sports. I spent way too much time thinking about fantasy sports, and I sure as hell don't get paid for it. So, uh, I'm not going to lie here. I am a bit envious. But, before I get legitimately envious, I will step back, take a deep breath, and remember how fortunate I am to host a little show called Collect This. And we don't Welcome to Collect This, powered by CSG, a podcast for collectors, by collectors. Here's your host, Alan Goldshire. All right, Nando, before we get to the good stuff, I'm putting you to work. Hey, can you do me a massive favor and read our ad copy, please? I'd be uh, delighted. <laughs> Check out this special deal for you Collect This listeners. And Ooh. studies have shown that Collect This listeners are, as a whole, exceedingly attractive. And, and, and the guests. Don't forget the guests. Oh, well, that was, I just read what's in front of me. Ron <laughs> Head over to csgcards.com slash join, select premium, and use the promo code collect this. You can join CSG at the premium level for just $99. That's $50 off of the regular price. Not only that, but you'll get a $150 same as cash credit, so the price of membership pays for itself. But wait, there's more. Yeah, there is. You'll get access to exclusive benefits like discounts on select add-on services, 24-7 online submission tracking, and 10% off at the CCG store. Once again, csgcards.com slash join, select premium, and use the code COLLECTTHIS. Get your grade on with CSG. It's almost like you've done this before. <laughs> I got a few times. <laughs> Nando DeFino, managing editor for fantasy and sports betting at The Athletic, right? You're a fantasy guy. I've been reading your stuff for years. Um, I, I legitimately enjoy it. I'm not just saying that from a kissing my guest's tushy perspective. I really enjoy <laughs> your work. But I found out uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, um, you were dropping some articles about collecting. Uh, and I didn't know. Right now, there is a connection, uh, and this is something we've talked about on the show before, between fantasy sports and betting and collecting. Right? It's all it's all part of the same circle. How what happens on the field impacts our interest in that particular bucket. Okay. Before we dive into the specifics of that, give me your collecting journey. When did you start collecting? What do you what do you collect? What's your favorite stuff, and why do you continue to do it to this day? Oh man! Uh, well, hello. Thanks. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so I, I was like everybody else. Like I was a kid, you know, just collecting. I was. I think '87 was the first set that I really remember. When I so my family, I grew up in Syracuse. My family's from Jersey, so when we would go see my grandmother in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they were in Belleville, and there was like still like this little corner candy store. And so like we uh, were hanging out at grandma's house, me and my brothers, and so we'd be able to walk down the street. And go to the candy store and buy, you know, packs. They had packs of cards. Sport. I remember like very distinctly buying a bunch of sport flicks. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, like I, you know, the collection grew. I'd go. There was a Ramada Inn in Liverpool, New York, and I'd go with my dad. Uh, and this dude from our church would drive us. And it's not like we're like, you know, super into the. Ch- he was just like a dude in the church who I don't know. He's like an usher, right? And he's like, hey, I'm going to this card show, the Ramada Inn. 
uh, you know, I got a van. You want to come with your kids? But I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we go and, you know, like get Warren Spahn's autograph and, you know, go table to table. And I just, you know, I'd see cards I'd like. I'd buy them. My dad collected when he was a kid. Has the same story as probably everybody's dad who's, you know, like his mother threw out all the cards. Uh-huh. He miraculously found this, this shoe box uh, when they were moving out, uh, you know, like 25 years ago. That we had some stuff. It didn't have anything crazy in it, but it had some stuff from when he was a kid. And he right. was like overjoyed. Right. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so like I, you know, I was into it like everybody else. Got into you know, some football cards, some pro set, and score and stuff like that. Um, I read the backs, like I read the bios and the stats. I was just kind of like, I just ate up everything about the card. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really into garbage fail kids. Really into non-sport stuff. I'm realizing now, like going back through my boxes, like I got Dick Tracy cards. Um, oh, you so you know, so you you're a pack rat. You saved everything. Oh yeah, I get you know why you know why not? Good for you, um, man. But at the shows, you know, you'd see those for five dollars a box. You get like Ghostbusters too, you know, the black line right. drawn across. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like I was, I don't know. I'm like, hey, I got you know so much money to spend. I think I'm gonna maybe get some of these fun ones of movies that I've seen. Um, so yeah, so like I, I'm all over the place, but uh, I guess I just kind of kept it up. Like when I went to college, kind of died off a little bit. You know, the early 2000s, 2010s kind of died off, and then. Uh, I'd buy stuff here and there. Like I remember buying like the jumbo uh, major league commemorative card. Mm-hmm. I got a wax back of that. And I, you know, I just went through all my stuff and inventoried it, you know, like an adult. And uh, <laughs> you can see where the gap is. And then I pick it back up. And then obviously during the pandemic, it just blew up again. But there's a lot of cool stuff that I started buying here too. So. When, during the pandemic, um, did you catch the bug again? Like a lot of us. I, so I kind of had it, I guess. I think I had it already, but now I could justify like, well, all the stuff that I had before, I can flip. Um, mm. You know, I never did. I've sold three things on eBay. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I've done it. I'm like, I'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> but to, to justify it, like I bought a 10 pack of Anthony Fauci, those top now cards, the tops now cards. Uh-huh. This is my crowning moment is because I'm like, <laughs> my you know, my parents are, my dad's a doctor. My mom's a nurse. My sister's a nurse. My sister-in-law's a nurse. So let me just get 10 and I'm going to give them all Fauci cards. Um, and then like, I found out what they were selling for. I'm like, all right. <laughs> A couple of people aren't going to get the Fauci cards. And I sold like two of them for 150 bucks each. And that kind of bought me you know, a lot of cred inside the household. Now you have, uh, you have a wife, you have three children. Congratulations, by the way, on number three that just came not too, not too, uh, not too unrecently for lack of a better yeah, phrase. Now I'm buying them all for him. Yeah. Now you're buying them all for him, of course. But yeah. when you're saying justifying the purchase to the family, yeah, that's that's a thing, right? I have to, if I drop whatever, however much money on, on a box of Ernie Banks cards or a box of Walter Payton cards, which is kind of my obsession these days, um, <coughs> I kind of point out, oh, Nano's got a cold, by the way, so you're gonna hear some yeah, coughing. Yeah, sorry, today. I thought I was hiding that. <laughs> nah, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hear some coughing today. All good. I did a whole show, by the way, talking like this. So I, we're playing hurt. You're playing hurt. I appreciate that. That's it. Uh, it's it's all part of the the gritty feeling that makes all part it so real. Of, all part of the charm. Um, so yeah. you when you sell a Fauci card for a buck fifty, um, you can go to Mrs. Nando and be like, Hey, I'm turning a profit here. Collecting's awesome. <laughs> right. Oh, dude, and we did it once. We, there was a year during Yerman Mania. Like, I was way on Yerman Mercedes. Uh-huh. Like, part of what spurred me back was Ian Kahn, who uh, we did the, the podcast with, Under the Radar. Um, I've got this problem where, like, I reach for these guys in fantasy, like, way too early mm-hmm. and way too often. Mm-hmm. And, like, my guys. And they, they kind of, they do actually, most of them pan out. A lot of them pan out. Um, but I'm, like, I'm doing it too early to ensure that, you know, 100 picks too early. And so Ian's like, listen. You could feed that part of your brain by just buying their cards. Oh, yeah. how about that? So I would buy like a bunch of Yerman Mercedes cheap 
And then when that human mania was happening, I sold a, I sold one for like 234 bucks. Wow. And I was sitting, I was in bed with my wife. The auction was ending and you know, you can watch it live in the, yeah. in the back end. Yeah. And it was just going, it was like, it was like 110 and it, it was an autographed card. It was his first one that tops made like the 70th anniversary uh, version. And it just boom, 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 boom. And before you know, it was like 234. And of course the dude never paid, you know, like three days later. Oh dude, ouch. And I, you know, I was, I was sitting there, I was staring at his name and his address. And he gave me some terrible excuse, like, oh, you know, I, I don't know. I woke up and it was there. <laughs> sure, sure, man. Uh, so I just sat there. I'm like, man, I just, ah, I want to direct this anger. The collecting. But, the but anyway. But, the pitfalls yeah, of collecting. Just, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I got your address, man. Like, I could send you anything. Like, three <laughs> years from now, you know? Like, yeah. Don't open anything that has the return address to Fino. That would be. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Box that smells kind of weird. <laughs> don't you're do not, it. You're not even going to know this is the Yerman Mercedes guy you screwed over, you know, back in 2021. So I like what you just said about feeding the part of your brain. That the speculative part of your brain, the part that's looking at whatever. And I, mean, I always use Justin Fields as a good default these days because everybody was so excited about him as a rookie. Then he was garbage in his uh, yeah. in his rookie year, uh, and this year he's been you know mercurial. We're recording this on January sixth, and his season is over. Unfortunately, he won't be able to break the um, the single season uh, uh, quarterback rushing record, but. He is more of an entity in the hobby than he was last year, which is, you know, the, the, a direct correlation between what's happening on the field, what's happening in the hobby. That, to me, based on what you're just saying right now, for, for fantasy players who do have a collecting bend, that is a there's a very concrete connection. Oh, dude, and actually, so I bought we bought him. We bought his uh, uh, two of his two of his rookie cards, just Panini Prisms, uh, tens. I know the CSG podcast, a PSA and a SGC. It's okay. We, we have to acknowledge that they exist. <laughs> uh, but we did spread it around. You know, we're not just PSA guys. We appreciate um, that. <laughs> so uh, I bought them live on air during a show. Like me, me and Corey Parson were going back and forth about like, man, it's 40 bucks. Like we got to do like, right. Like Justin Fields is good and he can run. And we just saw like, it was right after I think week five when he had that touchdown run for like 17 yards. Mm -hmm. And my theory, like every week his passes went up like 20%, 30%. Uh -huh. You know, you're talking about going from like 21 to 24, but I mean, still like statistically. Anyway, I'm like, screw it. I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy one of each. You know, I made an offer for 40 bucks. They both got accepted. And then like the next five weeks, the thing just shot up in value. Are you holding and on to exactly, him? Oh yeah, I, I think so. I mean, like right now it's not going to do anything. I just assume like with the anticipation before next year is when I want to, maybe like August. I'm going to hold on to one because it means something now, you know, like it's like, we did that on air, and now I got this thing. Now you got it. It's interesting because the the speculation versus love of collecting versus investing thing has been the, the divide right now because the industry has been a little more volatile than it has been in the past. Is a, like you're not seeing people drop six figures, mid six figures on Justin Herbert cards, right? Uh, I, right. I, and I point at that because a couple of years ago, someone dropped five and a, five point five million dollars. I'm sorry. Uh, five half a million dollars uh on a justin herbert 101 and this was after his rookie season right and people were were speculating oh he's gonna be the next mahomes and he's not gonna be the next mahomes so i think that that uh and the zion williamson um not panning out as a stud the stud that everybody envisioned him being and people right. having spent you know up to seven figures on his cards people are a little nervous about that kind of speculation have you seen that enough from your end yeah, well, I mean, I, I probably follow all the same people you do, like Lameem James and uh, yeah. uh, Ryan Cracknell, you know, Sue's like, yep. you yep. know, card purchaser. Um, and you, you, you could feel it. But I guess 
I don't know, man. I feel kind of like in a way that's good. Like that. I mean, I collected cards when I liked them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I buy, like I buy stuff that I shouldn't buy. Like Tops came out with his Bookworms uh, garbage pail kid set. Yep. And I, I bought a pack at Target. I'm like, oh, what's this? And it was <laughs> I got a, I got a card that was Winnie the Pooper, and it was nice. Winnie the Pooh floating on his balloons, pooping on Tigger, Eeyore, and Piglet. It's just like it. real, like poop, like actual poop on their faces. Nice. And they're smiling, and it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, but you know, like I mean, like I bought. Those I said, I actually bought like 50 of them and sent them out to everybody I work with as like a, a holiday gift. Um, <laughs> but like the stuff like that's fun, you know what I mean? Like, it's there's got to be an element of fun. And if you're just buying to speculate and invest, you know, I I, I don't want to feel bad for you if you get caught holding the bag, yeah, because you know, you're, you're speculating on someone else's performance, you know, like a 24 year old, you don't know, you know what I mean? Like, an yeah. injury could derail him, you know, like, I, I don't know, I'm I don't know if you know Michael Salfino, if you've had him on, sure, like, sure. He's like, he's one of our writers and like, you know, we've had him do a bunch of cards. Whenever a card idea pops up, we yep. either hit him or David Ganos. And it's like Selfino though, leans so into vintage because, you know, your legacy is intact. You know what I mean? That's it's safer. It's a mud. And that's yeah. one thing that we've noticed in the CSG grading room is over the last 12, 18 months, people are, because, you know, you don't want to send in everything to grade. And that's something that at CSG, and I'm not like, you know, doing a commercial right now, but fact of the matter is at CSG, we do not encourage people to send in things to grade if they're not going to if you're not going to make back the money that you're spending on grading it right right and right. yeah and and right now we're seeing in the grading room way more vintage than we are modern uh because people are more comfortable with vintage right now you're right you know the the a stan musial card is not going to lose its value yeah well i you know i read this crazy article and i don't know if it's popular like if people know about it but like one guy and this scared me a little bit but i don't think enough one guy was speculating, like, as like these baby boomers die and they give their card collections to their kids, mm -hmm. their kids are just going to sell them off, like callously sell them off. Totally. And so it'll flood the market with a lot of vintage and then the values will go down. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. I'm not sure. I don't. I totally don't buy that. It's an interesting theory. Yeah, no, it's an interesting theory, but I don't think the interest in vintage is ever going away. And I think like you look at the junk wax era stuff, right? There is all of yeah. a sudden more interest in that, even though the population is is pretty high, very high oftentimes. But people are starting to realize, and this, this kind of goes back to the fantasy thing, um, it's not just about the car. It's not just about the investment. It's about the athlete, the actual athlete. And if you like Shaquille right. O'Neal or Charles Barkley, uh, okay, so what if there's a gajillion uh, of of this Shaq card in in ten, right? In in ten condition, in mint condition. If you take Shaq, get your Shaq card. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You use that population report uh, for you, not against you. You know, you get a cheaper yeah. Shaq card. And that, the, yeah. the dichotomy uh, between collecting and investing, and that's something that it sounds like you and I are very much on the same same page. I lean, and you know, yeah, it's great. Like you, you were telling me um, how you spent X amount of money on a Justin Fields card, uh, but love of the game, right? Like, like I've mentioned to you, like I've mentioned on the show numerous times, right now, my collecting goal to have the best Ernie Banks and the best Walter Payton card collection ever. <laughs> That's all. That's awesome, right? For, like, for me, it's Jose de Leon. You know what I mean? Like, right. I got obsessed with him in fantasy. Right? It's the same idea. Like, but you know what I mean? Like, so Topps made, Topps made this 1982 throwback card. I think it was in 2019. Okay. Uh, it was gold, 10 of 10. Those five by seven jumbo cards that nobody collects. Right. So I started, like, I, you know, I was searching for Jose de Leon cards. And I think I, just, I put like out of 10 in there. And these popped up. And so I got like, I think right now I'm up to five of the 10 really? gold bordered 
jumbo. Oh my and at God. this point, I'm like, I want all 10. You know what I mean? So every yeah. every month, I'll check eBay, you know, for different combinations of the word that someone might post it as uh, to try and find them. I don't know why, man. I, like, I still actually believe in the guy. I know he's a little older now and he's bouncing around the minors and shoulder issues pop up, but mm-hmm. I still think he's got a shot somewhere. But now it's just more like, I want all 10 of those cards. So let's talk about the direct correlation between fantasy and collecting. Okay, when you draft a guy, I'm I'm a Bears guy, and I, whenever uh, an Aaron Jones or someone pops up and he's available uh, for me to draft, I hold my nose and take him because you, you gotta, you can't, you have to take rooting out of the equation if you want right. to have a good fantasy team. Having said that, when you do have a guy on your fantasy team, you're all of a sudden an Aaron Jones fan. I hate the Packers. They're they're an anathema to me. I've I've despised them my entire life. But Aaron Jones is going to win me my forty seven dollars in my league this year. So right, when exactly. You, yeah. So when you become a fan of these guys, all of a sudden their cards become much more interesting. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and it, you know, for football, for me, it's a little different because uh, you know it's like you got to buy the quarterbacks. It's it's almost boring mm-hmm. in a way. Like if you're looking to speculate, it's like oh, you know, like it's I, like I had. Deontay Foreman, I bought a bunch of like mm-hmm. three years ago when he was Derrick Henry's backup mm-hmm. because I'm like, this guy's built exactly the same as Derrick Henry. Yeah. You know, like this Achilles injury myth is disproven. Um, if Derrick Henry gets hurt, this guy's going to be the quarterback or the running back and he's going to run wild. Like everyone loved him. He's a dope walker. So anyway, it hit and I'm like waiting and waiting and waiting. And, you know, like his values just kind of like went up a little bit. Yeah. And I'm like, this is true. Like this, there's not much you can do there, you know, with, you know, except for the extreme examples. Um, but like a Jamar Chase, you could argue has value, but I mean, he already, he started with value. So it's, it's just kind of like baseball collecting for me is a lot more fun for that kind of stuff mm-hmm. because you can pick, you know, a Yerman Mercedes randomly. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about positional bias. Uh, cause you kind of touched on that quarterback bias. Uh, there's a yes. massive bias against big men amongst collectors in the NBA. There's a massive bias against pitchers in the hobby. Uh, yeah. I, I don't get that. I would. I, I love watching centers play. I love watching wide receivers and running backs. I love. I'm a pitching guy. I would rather see a two to one pitcher's duel than a fifteen to fourteen home run fest. Uh, in terms of like this connection, the fantasy and collecting connection. I, I explain. Explain to me why people who collect don't like dig these other positions. I don't know, man. I would like to ask you that because like I don't. <laughs> I don't get it. And they're all these real. Like I mean. I don't know. Like it's, it just takes the, it takes the fun out of this, like the, the speculative part, I guess a little mm-hmm. bit, like I'm not, I, I'm not like an investor. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know investors go after the quarterbacks and I just guess there's like, I don't know. They're sexy. Like home run hitters are sexy in baseball. Chicks dig and the I long guess, ball. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and like quarterbacks are sexy, you know, like Steph Curry's sexy. And I guess just like a, you know, like a good strikeout pitcher is not. But Joel Embiid, right? You look at Joel Embiid. If he stays healthy, this, he's like the, the, in, in, I'm not putting him in the Wilt Chamberlain class, but that's his best comp. Like if you're going to hit the ceiling on Joel Embiid, he's Wilt Chamberlain. Okay. Wilt Chamberlain memorabilia, Wilt Chamberlain cards go for a good chunk of change. Bill Russell cards go for a good chunk of change. But as you pointed out, Steph Curry is kind of the uh, modern and, and Luka Doncic are the modern NBA investors darlings. Yeah. I, I don't Maybe I guess the stigma of the big man you know, bad knees, hobbling, like career could get short at any time, scares some people. So 
There are very few writers who write for major outlets that write about collecting, right? I'll point to Dan Heyducky over at ESPN. Um, I'll point to your uh, Michael Salfino, David Gonos, who you just mentioned previously. You, uh, we count amongst that small number of, of writers who do write seriously, although humorously, about collecting. Um, I recently read an article. I read a bunch of articles of yours, but uh, in in prepping for this interview, I did a little back uh, back searching. You wrote a really cool article about canceled checks and the interest in people collecting canceled checks. Take me take me through that one. Oh, that was so. That was uh, I was looking for Rod Serling. So you know that set. I forget who makes it. Um, there's a set of Twilight Zone cards, mm-hmm. and uh, my brother and I are obsessed with the Howling Man. And I don't remember how I felt like I, I'm like, I wonder if there are Twilight Zone cards. And so I searched for Twilight Zone cards. I found them and I found the guy who played the Howling Man autograph some, you know, so it, I think it was Rittenhouse. I think it was Rittenhouse. Anyway, bought a couple um, and I just started going down a rabbit hole. I'm like, oh, Rod Serling. Like, you know, like, I'm like I wonder like Rod Serling autograph and up a pops check. I'm like, this is really cool. Like this is Rod Serling writing a check to Cornell, um, which I think I'm pretty sure he was a professor at Cornell for a little while, but it was for his daughter's orientation. And it, I mean, like, I'm just like, this tells a story because this guy worked at Cornell and still had to pay for his daughter's orientation. And it was like two years before he died. And I'm like, you know, 80 bucks is just too much for me to pay for that right now. Mm-hmm. And of course, now it's like $400. But so I just started going more and more. And I'm like, I wonder if like, is this like a thing? And so I started searching for more and more, you know, canceled checks just to see like, there was a Jackie Robinson one where he wrote, um, this is way too much, but there was a Jackie Robinson one where he wrote, uh, I check out to like a fried, ch- like $4,000 to fried chicken place that I tried to look up because I just assumed that he was a co- like a co-owner or something right. like, you know, that would have been a great story. Like following this path of this Jackie Robinson chicken totally, place. Totally, totally. Um, it was called like R&R Chicken. I, like, I can't remember what site it was on. It was one of the auction sites, Heritage, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and like, I just like, I'm like, this would be a good story. This is during the pandemic when, you know, we were at the athletic, we didn't have, you know, we couldn't write about fantasy. So uh, we did, uh, you know, mini sections rolling throughout. And I did memorabilia and collectibles uh, with, this, with Craig Custance, who mm-hmm. uh, is awesome. He's really, he's into collectibles a lot too. And we like, you know, we're like, let's do these stories. This will be awesome, whatever. So anyway, the canceled check stuff, I just kept looking at more and more. And it's like, just fascinating. Like I found, you know, first, it's a cool way to collect autographs if you're into autographs. But secondly, it's like this weird window into someone's life, like the mundane mm-hmm. You know, people write it out to dry clean, like, you know, movie stars writing checks out to dry cleaners and that have somehow found their way onto eBay. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just like, you know, Jessica Lang writing her first check to her acting coach was like a $40 check you could buy mm-hmm. um, before she was big, you know, because you, you line up the year with whatever and you're just kind of like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't know. I wish I would have bought more at the time because it seems like they've quadrupled in value. For 100%. Like, every time I go check. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's some like all those Rod Serling checks, man. Should I should I pay 400 bucks now for one? I don't know. And random signatures on random life things. There's, I believe, a Ty Cobb mortgage contract that's out there. Um, I believe there is a Shoeless Joe Jackson contract, like a a contract that he signed that's out there. Uh, That is to me as as uh, and you like a, a collector of strange stuff. (laughs) <laughs> That's strange yeah. and cool and interesting and weird. Now, you wrote uh, with a lot of athletic writers a, a gift guide for 2022. As noted, we're recording this at the beginning of 2023. What are some of the cool things that made that article that you would want to give your peeps for uh, for the holidays? Uh, well, probably my favorite, I don't think it even made it, was Top's Holiday. 
that, those tops holiday box are like my favorite things in the world. Mm-hmm. The Walmart, they're like, I think they retail for like 25 bucks, but it's like all the best of tops, like series one, series two update, like these great pictures with a holiday border. Uh, you know, like this year it's Holly and uh, Ivy, I think. Mm-hmm. But what I like, what I love about it, it's like an Easter egg hunt. Like they put like, they'll replace a bat with a candy cane, mm-hmm. you know, for short prints. Yeah. And then there are SSPs where it's like, you know, like the, there's one where like Francisco Lindor a couple of years ago, you know, that where he's like shrugging that picture where he's shrugging mm-hmm. when he's running the base. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no presence in his hands, you know, like that's adorable. It, it, but it's just a dumb, fun set. And this year, for whatever reason, I think because they're like, you know, Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez, all these rookies were in there. Like I couldn't find boxes. Like I usually got my buddy in Florida who has them like at the ready. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he just bumps into them by accident and he's like, I can't find it. And in fact, this year people ripped open the boxes and like went through them. Um, so I would, I love that. I love Alan and Ginter. Like, again, there's a theme here, like the goofy stuff. Yeah. Um, giving someone a box of tops Chrome to me is just kind of like here, you know, whatever you can get this yourself, but like <laughs> Alan and Ginter, you know, like you get a bird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you get a fish. Yeah. You get an Italian sub. Like, I don't know, man. I just, <laughs> I like, I find that stuff a little more fun and edgy than uh, just a regular box. Cause usually, I don't know, you're probably the same way. I open a box and I got a stack like 11 inches tall of stuff that I don't know what to do with. Yeah. Like, five cards that I want. It, yeah. And that's, that's sort of the, the challenge of, of spending a lot of money on a box and doing a break is that you, and I'm a historically bad breaker. I, it, it, whenever really? I've done a live break, I've literally never gotten one card of interest never yeah. yeah how sad is that i've only done a few oh you know but you know what we did a thing uh we got like 12 of our friends well actually it became 15 got together uh we know this, this local card shop guy in new york mm-hmm. um and we made it art like a private break so we all kicked in 50 bucks we handed him 750 dollars, and we're like just give us a few cool boxes and so he got us like leaf studio 91 which is you know we're all sitting around drinking it's a zoom call yeah um he's got the camera set up on you know what he's opening and he's like, we're going to open some Leaf Studio just to warm up a little bit, you know, take a trip down memory lane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was amazing, like, just going through those cards. Um, and then I think we did a, I can't remember at this point. It was like, they were really good boxes. Um, so you got some good you know, stuff out of it. Well, yeah. So what we did, instead of like me being like, I want the twins, it was uh, at the end, he randomized a draft order. And so you go through and you pick for three rounds, you pick your top three cards. Mm-hmm. And then he just, he puts everything else like basically in a pile randomly and sends it to you. What did you end up with? Do you remember? Uh, no, I got to go. Like I was, by the time the draft rolls around, if you've been drinking for like two and a half hours, <laughs> like I, I found my notes and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this is bad. We did Bowman. It was, we did a Bowman and I got Yuri De La Cruz. That was my first pick. It was a yearly day. It was a Yuri De La Cruz Chrome, I think, uh-huh. in, a, in a, you know, first in a Bowman pack that uh-huh. popped up. Um, uh, talk to me about, I can't remember. yeah. Talk to me about that card collecting, uh, talk, the, your card collection talking article. I honestly, <laughs> I read that a million years ago and I loved it. And I, when I was doing, when I was prepping, I couldn't find the freaking thing. So refresh my memory. It was just a dumb, like we needed to throw a couple more articles into the mix for the, for the thing we thought like, yeah, like, oh, Friday's kind of light. I'm like, well, look, I'm home. You know, I went home for the pandemic for a few months because sure. at the time my daughter was young and my parents were like, just bring her, well, you know, we'll grandparent. So, uh, <laughs> so my wife and I could work. Um, and, uh, and like, I'm, you know, I went through all my cards like everybody else. I'm like, I got some really weird, like fun stuff in here. And then it just, I don't know, for whatever reason, made me think like, as I tucked them back under the bed, you know, they, you know, they, they come alive like Toy Story and talk to each other. It's adorable. Uh, it was just a way to show off like some of the, like I have a, a balloon boy card. Remember that balloon boy hoax? Yep. 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 
Tops bought the balloon somehow and oh put God. him in like relics into Allen and Ginter cards. Oh my God. Um, so there's like a yeah. little, there, it's like a, a, a uniform in effect, a Jersey card. Dude, you got, and it's a piece of the balloon. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know why these just look at every once in a while. I'm like, I own five now. It's like, like a you patch know, every once card. In a while I go, look. The weirdest patch yeah, card like, ever. But it's such, a, I mean, like, you're going to look back in that, you know, 10 years from now. Yeah. There was a, there was a quest love as a collector, right? I don't yep. think he's a card collector, but he's a collector. He's a collector. And they did a story on, uh, on him in the New York Times. And he said something that is like, oh, this makes sense now. Like collecting is like, it helps me remember. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I can go back and look at those cards. And I remember exactly where it was when I was watching the balloon boy breaking news, being like, there's a little boy in that balloon. This is crazy. And ultimately, that's and what's special. Out, yeah. that, that's what's special about collecting. And that's why we're very lucky to be, you know, at least someone in the space is um, the we're all friends because we're talking about child, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the happiest times of our lives. Um, all right, let's talk about fantasy. We have to because you're you and I've got you here and I'm going to I'm gonna run some stuff by you so I can be prepared properly for my 2023 draft. I'm a fantasy football <laughs> guy. I'm a fantasy basketball guy. Don't, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not good at fantasy baseball. I don't want to go there. This year in fantasy, and I'm going to fetch about my team just like everybody else in the world does. I got destroyed by injuries. Cooper Cup was my first pick and he uh, was out. Eli Mitchell was my... Yeah, but you should have been like 6-2 and two by the time he went out at least, right? Like yeah, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Right. And I'll tell you exactly why, because I don't know if you recall, C.D. Lamb was garbage the first month of the season. Yes. That hurt me. Um, I... Uh, I, I blew it on quarterback. I took Kyler Murray. I took too late. And, I, and I'll ask you about this one. Uh, court, late, late round quarterbacks, right? I think that is a thing of the past. I don't think you can do that anymore. Uh, well, I mean, it depends. Uh, like, so I'm, I'm, man, I'm, I'm one in, one out on that because next, like, if Lamar Jackson falls to me, it's all like, it depends on where people value Lamar Jackson next year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. did he have a good year this year or a bad year? That's someone I would jump on early. Um, Justin Herbert doesn't interest me, whatever, whatever. Like, you could have waited on Geno Smith and had a pretty good deal and had a really good, you know, rest of the team. Right. Um, if you use that other pick wisely. But I mean, you could mess up that fifth round pick so badly anyway. Totally. It's, you know, that you, you, you have to have a rock solid case that you can pick those first five rounds just right. Mm-hmm. And that's going to allow you to wait on a quarterback. You can't do that anymore with so many split backfields. It just doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah. And exactly. It's the bell cow thing is, is almost a thing of the past. And the guy that won our league picked Mahomes in the second round. Yeah. I mean, that's, we had a, well, I mean, you're going to get lucky with a Justin Fields type, but yeah, it's, it's, it seems like the quarterbacks early and even Herbert didn't seem like he was paying off early. And now he's, he basically helped you win a championship if you hold yeah. on to him. Yeah. He's got all his receivers healthy again. So like, yeah, it's a, uh, I think a lot more people are going to say it's worth it this year. We, we had an early mock on uh Oh man, about a month ago for better sports network, Justin Fields went eighth overall. Oh, Number eight I, overall I, I would take round. him. I would take him in the top. Yeah. Top eight. So it feels about right. Yeah. I, so like, I mean, I, I think we're going to see that trend. Um, even like, you know, everyone's like, oh, expert leagues, you always pick quarterbacks late and your mock drafts are not helpful. I think that's going <laughs> to change this year because I, I think a lot of people saw like, oh, yeah, I can, this is actually this guy's guaranteeing me 26 points a week. Jalen Hurts was uh, winning leagues. Uh, Josh Allen obviously is winning leagues. Patrick Mahomes is yeah. winning leagues. And and in, at the end of the year, unless your team was so decimated uh, like mine, I did pick up Justin Fields off the waiver wire uh, uh, probably after week six or seven or something like that. Uh, when Kyler Murray started being not Kyler Murray. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that he helped me uh, at least finish in a, a reasonably uh, honorable 
position. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, well, look, even like Russell Wilson, someone could point to that and be like, well, yeah, you got killed on Russell Wilson. But like, yeah, that's like the only one though, really. Yeah. Well, Kyler Murray, I think was a perfect example of a guy that, you know, you, you I'm going to wait till six or seven round to get a guy like a Kyler Murray. And he fell to me. I thought at the time thought, okay, well, Kyler Murray in the seventh round is just genius. But it turned out to be really bad. Whereas Josh Allen in the second round, Patrick Mahomes in the second round, uh, Lamar Jackson in the fourth round before he got hurt. Those were good picks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, I don't know if people actually do it, but they should. They should. Like, I will go earlier on a quarterback and I will sacrifice probably a running back because like this year I found like, you know, no one was on Cordero Patterson, even though he had the same offensive coordinator, same offense. Yep was amazing, yep. you know, got hurt last. You could see where he got hurt in his game log last year. It was a pretty easy point A to point B kind of thing. Yeah. Like people were off a lot of, like a lot of those people who, you know, shown, I guess. So my strategy this year, my drafting strategy was wide receiver, one, two, and three. Took three receivers. Yeah. They were um, Cooper Cup, the aforementioned, uh, CD Lamb, who obviously improved significantly as the year progressed, but when you're on four, that it, it, it's a hard hole to dig out of. And then Debo Samuel in round three, and he got hurt also. So it was just bad luck all around. Next year, my game plan: if I have an uh, early pick, and you tell me if I'm crazy or not, am I balling Justin Jefferson in the top like four picks? Uh, yeah, I don't think he'll. Last. I mean, you got to have one, two, maybe three. He'll be gone. So you think like he's he's going to be? People are going to make the case for him to be number one overall. I think. I remember the year Antonio Brown was the people were talking about Antonio Brown as the number one pick. And that was kind of a tipping point, not taking a running back number one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's especially if you're playing PPR now. Yeah. I mean, like it's just, you put Justin Fields against Jamar Chase and we did it uh, before this year. Justin Fields is so, cons- uh, I'm sorry, Justin Jefferson versus Jamar Chase. Jefferson is so consistent on a week to week basis. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, he bombed everybody week 17 this year, but I, I don't know if people are going to remember that. Like one out of every 12 teams in the league is going to remember that at this yeah, point. Yeah. Um, but could such consistency. Like Jamar Chase had big games and then he had like 42 yard games. Yeah. Jefferson didn't have that. He was just like 80, 99, 120. Like it was crazy. And he had Kirk Cousins throwing to him rather than Joe Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Kevin O'Connell, he changed that offense. You know, yeah. they're very offensive forward thinking. And just, I don't even know if you could say he supercharged Justin Jefferson. He just kind of like, held the line with Justin Jefferson, yeah. which is what you want. Yeah. Uh, as uh, my friend Bill Enright of uh, Sports Illustrated once said. In, oh, I love Bill Enright, man. Bill Enright's awesome. In, we got a lot of mutual friends that I did not realize. We do have a lot of mutual friends. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Um, Bill Enright once said to me, in every league, every owner except for one is going to be unhappy. And you have to remember that. Your chances of winning, you can have the best draft in the world, but you're still one out of 10, one out of 12, one out of 14. Yeah, exactly. That's smart advice. All right, so before I let you go, I want bold predictions. We always get bold predictions. I want a bold prediction from the fantasy football world from you, and I want a bold prediction in the hobby world for cool stuff that might happen uh, in 2023, uh, both in the card shops and uh, on the field. Okay. uh, Fantasy football bold prediction. I'll say uh, Deontay Foreman. (laughs) <laughs> is going to be a is going to be a force for the next three years, I think. Like he's Derrick Henry, basically. Wow. He's he's think he is. Well, all the guy does is hundred yard games. Like he's got nothing left to prove. Yeah. Like, someone's going to sign him. And be like, you're you're our guy. Like go. Yeah. Just go nuts. Yeah. So you think he could be he's a bell be cow? Derrick Henry. You could be one of the rare bell cows out there. 
I do. I, I think he, he's built for bell cow work. I mean, you could put him with like a Dontrell Hilliard, you know, or like a, um, oh man, who's the guy who popped a little bit on the Bears this year? Khalil Herbert. Darrington Evans. Oh, Darrington oh, Evans. Evans. Yeah, I'm thinking pass catching, you know, some guy who's going to eight targets, six catches, 48 yards. Yeah. And then you have Deontay Foreman. Um, I hope that if the Panthers keep Steve Wilkes, it's perfect because he's like, a, like, let's just pound the ball. And go, yeah. Let's own that line. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think Foreman's proven himself enough to the point where he's like, yeah, this guy's basically Derrick Henry. What's the earliest you would take him in a draft? Like fourth round? If the situation's right, yeah. But I don't think I'd have to take him. People don't believe in him. So I don't think I would have to take him until the sixth, really. Really? All right, cool. So you might get helium. You might get helium, you know, at the end if it's looking like, say, Chicago cleans house. I'm just saying, like, and Deontay Foreman, they bring in, you know, on like a three year, $25 million contract. Right, right. Then people are going to be like, well, yeah, I guess, he, yeah, okay, okay. And then the more, you know, they realize it, I think that'll. I think. I don't know. All right. Well, I like that one. So Deontay Foreman is your uh, bold fantasy football prediction. What's your bold card prediction? What's your bold collecting prediction? I think, and I might be biased because I love them, but I think a lot more people are going to start respecting and collecting Leaf. I'm really into Leaf. I like, like it. Like way more than I think anybody in the, like I get an email and they're like, hey, check this out. But like, yep. <laughs> so they just keep doing everything that I think is cool. I like it. Um, you know, obviously they got to airbrush stuff, but I think they use clever photos that don't really show it as much. Their NIL stuff is smart. Their pop culture stuff is funny um, and smart. Uh, like I just, they, they got a, they just put out Brock Purdy pro set yesterday. Right. Like, that's cool, man. Yeah. Like I, all right. I like this like for seven ninety nine. Um, Did you get it? I got, like they had a, yeah, I got three. <laughs> Why not? Well, you know what? Cause they charge $10 shipping. And so, you know, I like at that point, you're like, if I buy one, it's a $17 card. At least if I buy three, you know, it's 23 plus the 10. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, but like, like just, I don't know, but like they're just doing smart things and they're fluid. And I, I know Brian Gray is not like the most popular guy in the industry, but we've had him on our show and talked to him. And I just, he's a fantasy guy. He's a big fantasy player. He plays in the high stakes leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just like relatable and kind of like a man of the people, I think. Uh, and he's just, I don't know. He's just doing it right. From, you know, from from an outsider's view who just likes I go to Leaf Shop like twice a week just to see what they got. Nando DeFino, uh, check him out in The Athletic. Check him out on the Better Sports Network. Uh, always great insights fantasy-wise and obviously great insights collecting-wise. Thank you so much for taking the time and I hope your cold gets better. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm going to go cough up the lung. <laughs> Hold it Sweet. In. Thanks, Alan. This is great. <laughs> Whether it's a 1986 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card, a Tom Brady Playoff Contenders rookie card from 2000, or, I don't know, a Marv Throneberry card that came out of a Post cereal box in 1963, and yes, that's a thing. Certified Sports Guarantee will grade your sports cards quickly and accurately. A subsidiary of Certified Collectibles Group, CSG graded over 1 million cards in its first year plus on the sports collecting scene, the fastest any grading company has hit that mark. The speedy turnaround times provided by the knowledgeable, passionate team of expert sports car graders will make your CSG experience smooth, efficient, and most importantly, fair. Regardless of the athlete, the sport, or the condition of your card, CSG will treat it with the love and respect it deserves. For more information about CSG, visit csgcards.com. That's CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. And we don't stop. We hope you enjoyed Collect This, powered by CSG. 
Collect This was hosted, written, produced, engineered, and scored by Alan Goldsher. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at collectthis at csgcards.com. This has been a presentation of the Collects Podcast Network.